In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 248. That's right. We are covering the books for the month of April. That's right. That's Green Lantern 51, Edge of Oblivion number 4, and Sinestro 21? What's the number? 22. 22. Oh, so close. The penultimate issue, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, it's it, penultimate for both of these, right? Or is there a fifty-three? For... No, that is true. Technically, it is. Uh, it is. Other than for Edge of Oblivion, right? Because Edge of Oblivion still has is, is six issues. Yes. So. All right. So we uh, we're splitting this up in so far as Mark is taking number fifty-one of Green Lantern, then I am taking number four of. Edge of Oblivion, and then I so graciously allowed him to take number 21 or 22 of uh, <laughs> Sinestro, uh, because you like Sinestro, and it's actually been a while since you've done that, <laughs> so I should stop bogarting the Sinestro. <laughs> it, it really didn't matter. At the end of the day, we, we it, become, it just becomes basically who wants to do two issues, and especially since I have been deliberately avoiding uh, green, the edge of oblivion as much as possible, so I feel obligated to let make, let Chad make his decision if he wants Sinestro or just do one book, and then I'll and then I would do two. So this this month I'll I'm doing two. That's right. All right, so go ahead, man, take it away. Uh, uh, by the way, guys, there's no feedback or anything in this episode, so it's going to be relatively short. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> thumbs, thumbs kind of down. Thumbs in the middle. Thumbs up. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Freelander fifty one. It was all right. All right. Edge of Oblivion. Um. Okay. Sinestro, best of the month. <laughs> but we could have probably right we could have said that even without opening the covers. To be honest. Bye, guys. See you next week. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Green Lantern fifty one. Uh, the cover, which is not. The, the cover is nice looking, but the the with the blurb hunted by the gray agents that does not inspire a whole lot of oomph, <laughs> at least not for me. Uh, I remember last time a green Green Lantern related title sported the title "Hunted" across oh, the top. Oh yes. <laughs> at least on the bright side, this is better than that. Uh, <laughs> the actual title of the story inside is "State of Transformation." Robert Venditti is the writer. Rafa Sandoval is the penciler. Jordi Tarragona is the inker. Tony Avina remains the colorist. Dave Sharp is the letterer. And let's see, the assistant editor is Eddie Marino. And Eddie Berganza remains group editor. So we pick up exactly where we left off in Green Lantern 50, which, God, it seems like it's a century ago since we did that issue, which maybe that's a good thing <laughs> at some level. But it, for those who don't remember, Hal, after Parallax, flew off. Pal was pretty much glowing, almost like a translucent green, tr almost transparent green, having an ion look about him, and he was almost like a living energy construct. So we pick up exactly at that moment with Hal going, I mean, I, I feel strange. Is this strange? Hal's brother's going, yeah, you could you could kind of say that. And you have internal uh, monologue from Hal kind of saying, this man is looking at me. I do not know this man. You know, he sees the picture of Hal. I mean, Hal sees a picture of him and his brother, but of course he doesn't recognize either one of the figures. And then Hal goes, "It occurs to me that I do not know who I am," and <laughs> the realization does not concern me, which I thought was pretty cool. So Jim keeps trying to reach Hal and tries to talk him into, you know, 
get that gong to go off so he recognizes exactly what's going on. He goes, focus, you're Hal Jordan, which leads to a, a double splash page of pretty much uh, Hal Jordan's origin, his father, his plane blowing up before him, Hal flying a plane, Hal is Green Lantern, Hal with his long hair, you know, in his renegade look, which actually, considering how horrible that look is overall, that's not such a bad panel. It kind of looks cool. And not surprisingly, the worst panel on the page is the Hal fighting Parallax page. Because now Parallax looks like he has long hair for some stupid reason. So, in this double splash page, Jim is pretty much giving you the whole run, giving Hal and us, again, the whole rundown of basically Hal Jordan's origin and Super, super, super compact to try to get us to the point of where we are now. And somehow this manages to do the trick because Hal returns to looking like Hal again. And, you know, Hal's kind of like run down or, or, or beat or just pretty much, I think run down just describes it. He seems like haggard and he just kind of like almost collapses in Jim's arms. And Hal doesn't kind of remember exactly what just transpired. Jim tells him about how you kind of became almost like a living construct and how this is a, this is kind of interesting he when he's talking to Jim it's like it's like I could hear you talking but it was like far away like I was at the end of a tunnel I wasn't just channeling the green light of will I became will so that's, that still kind of opens potentially the door for maybe we're going down the road of something related to ion who knows uh Hal just realizes or tells Jim and, fa and family that, you know, this just means I kind of need help. I need to go, I need to basically find the Green Lantern Corps, need to find the Guardians, need to bring everybody back, and then hopefully they can, you know, somebody's going to be able to figure out what exactly is going on with me and, and help me uh, get it get get it under control. And, and another cool part is when Hal's talking to Jim and he goes, uh, yeah, when he's trying to explain why he needs help, it's like you know because of the, I've been across the universe and back, and I've never even never even heard of someone going full spectrum. Kind of an interesting way of describing it. So Hal leaves Coast City, but I like the little no fear, little brother, I'll be fine. This is kind of like the good, really good part of the issue. <laughs> now we end up back in Darlene, which we haven't we haven't seen in a while. Trapper and Virgo find themselves essentially under attack by the Gray Agents. Uh, Marshall Rank is seemingly in control of these green, green agents, gray agents, excuse me, Freudian slip. They they attack they attack Darlene. They get they invade the ship. Do, I like the fact that Virgo seems is the first one that leaps into action and basically starts starts kicking the crap out of most of the uh, gray agents that he fights. Uh, Trapper really Trapper really doesn't do anything. Uh, Virgo gets a little too cocky about it. come on you. Know, how about going like one on one with me with a guy who just took out uh, Trapper, and of course he gets knocked out with one punch. Guy Gardner reference, yes. So the Gray Agents capture capture both Virgo and Trapper. They plan on pretty much or begin to try to torture them or do whatever do do what's necessary to find out all the information about how Jordan and where he is. And as they're getting their little uh, primer on, you know where what's happened the last time they saw Hal Jordan and where he was going, you see green energy constructs, or green energy trail first starts appearing first on the, behind the people that are supposed to, the members of the gray agents that are supposed to be paying attention pretty much to scoping out the environment in case anybody's showing up, being on watch or calls pretty much, and they are falling asleep at the switch, Hal Jordan arrives, energy goes flying through the ships, Blast, you know, blast, blasting the gray agents and how pretty much stands in a splash page at the end going you're looking for me before you go before you go thinking I saved you the trouble I'll give you fair warning your trouble is just getting started next issue Hal's new mission um short but sweet here you go guys this is not me trying to get this episode over with or anything but I'm gonna be honest with you I don't care don't care about the gray agents. I know that this is all not going to matter by the end of Rebirth, by the time Rebirth shows up, not just because, uh, you know, something new will be happening, but because we already know what's going to be happening within the confines of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps in the Rebirth title. That's going to have to do with Sinestro and all that stuff. None of this is going to matter, and if it does, that's way too much to be tossing into a book. This, if, 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 you know, this is a waste of time in a way. It's also kind of a uh, 
if Venditti doesn't let go of this group and wherever he's going with this little story before Rebirth, and he carries it over into things that are happening after Rebirth, then it's a mistake. Just pure and simple, I don't see how he can work in both of them. Uh, everything that, ha- that Cullen has set up in Sinestro into his title and dealing with all of that and bring in everything he's been dropping with this Grey Agents thing. I don't see how it's possible, uh, so therefore I really hope he's not. So if he's not, then this is a waste of time. And if he is, it's not going to work anyways. So either way, we're screwed. <laughs> so personally, since we all know Rebirth is coming at this point, I would like these issues to be used for something else. I don't know if it's transition into making more sense of why Hal would get his ring back as opposed to the gauntlet. I don't know if it'd be more time on Earth. I don't know if it'd be more time dealing with other villains. I don't know if it'd be having to do anything to do with like him working with the Justice League or interacting with Simon or Jessica. I have no idea. But there's something else that could be done with this. Uh, because either way, it's a waste of time. And... To be fair, saying something positive, the art looks pretty great, especially when it comes to the Grey Agents themselves. Uh, Rafa Sandoval does okay with humans. I think there's a couple of spots where Hal or Jim or whoever looks kind of weird. But the aliens look pretty great. That's kind of the way I felt with um, Doug Monkey uh, uh, during uh, the Blackest Night and leading up into the Blackest Night stuff. Is Doug Monkey draws weird people, but great aliens. Except and I think Rafa... Right, right, right. Um, uh, like, for instance, uh, he does scary very well, which is why we all love that, uh, what was it, I think, 43, Green Lantern 43. All the, the Black Hand issue. Yeah, the Black Hand issue, uh, which, you know, f- fucking phenomenal. Um, the colors work pretty well. I'm sort of curious about what this shield thing this dude is carrying is. Is this a force field? Is this an energy construct? Is this some sort of tech melded together. What is going on with these gray agents? Why do they want Hal? I'm mildly curious. But honestly, guys, if we weren't reviewing this for the show, other than probably at least picking it up digitally so that I can just say I have it, I honestly don't think I'd be reading these. I think I think the highlight of the issue was the first part, mm. when Hal was dealing with the fallout from... Uh which is ironic since the actual confrontation with Parallax blew, but the but the fallout from it was somewhat somewhat interesting. Just like he just like Jim even mentions Parallax, which again shows you that we know Parallax will be showing up again at some point. Just the mere fact that he just the mere fact that it wasn't completely swept under the rug and they referenced it again because of the fact not just with Jim talking about giving Hal, you know, glowing Hal the primer on everything that just happened to try to bring him back, but he even says to Hal before he leaves, what happens if Parallax comes back? And Jim and Hal goes, he's not going to, because he wants me. Uh, so if he's going to know that I'm not here, so he'll go track me down wherever I am. Which doesn't really mesh with his, entirely with his co-city obsession, but let's move that, push that aside for another day. The beginning of the issue I liked, it kind of got the story off to a good start, as far as I was concerned. I thought it, it lost energy, no pun intended, once we got back to Virgo and Trapper and dealing with the Grey Agents. I was going to mention the art myself. Yes, for the most part, the art is really good. I do, I suspect what's going to happen is we're not going to get much of a resolution with the Grey Agents, and they will be coming back in Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Not necessarily right away, but I think they will be, they will be coming back, because the Grey Agents essentially... As they had been explained to us thus far, they're just another police force that was trying to fill in the fill in the void of the when the Green Lantern Corps left. So even though the Sinestro Corps is a number one right now, that once the Green Lantern Corps comes back and everything else, I'm sure they're gonna. I'm sure that everybody's paths are gonna cross again. I do agree with what you said. I hope it's not something that happens right away, since there's a lot of stuff on the plate. And yes, there is certainly amount of there's a filler feel in these two issues, which was not all Robert Venditti's fault, because again, you don't know how much time he had to potentially retool the last two issues of this book once once the whole rebirth thing took place. You don't know if there was a, rel- a relatively small time frame for him to be able to and whether he did anything at all. whether he Or maybe just retooled a page or two at the end of 52 just so it's going to wrap up and have some kind of little teeny bow on it, even though it's something, you know, that bow is, you know, that you can pull the string at any time and open it up, and he plans on doing it. 
But yes, there's a filler feel to it because you know nothing of consequence with the gray agents is going to happen. You hope that something. You, you hope you learn a little bit more about how and what he's going through now and how that's going to lead to him getting his ring back and seemingly, as it's being implied, as a one-man Green Lantern Corps to start the How Jordan and Green Lantern Corps book before the actual Corps comes back. That Hal is pretty much at that, supposed to be the only Green Lantern and almost like a one-man Corps at that point. So you kind of hope this sets the stage or at least gets us closer to understanding how that's going to happen. I think it was a better issue than 50. Maybe because the expectations have been dragged about as low as humanly possible after 50, or because again we know there's not, we didn't have any expectations for 51 and 52 because we know they're just keeping the keeping the plate warm until uh until rebirth be- begins. But I thought the issue was okay. I th- it was it was it was okay to good. The beginning was I thought the beginning was solid. I would say the beginning of the book was really good. Once you get back to the with Darlene and Darlene being the typical obnoxious self saying all too willing to pretty much just you know swap sides and say oh you can do whatever you want with me i'll take you wherever you want to go to the gray agents let's see darlene get blown up it's a waste of freaking time and it's and it's an you know it's not even like an interesting you know you know like like hal 9000 whatever uh i you know ai it's an it's an obnoxious thing you just want to just want to pull the plug on already at this point so and the only thing else i have to say is speech maker that big green thing yeah. with, a, with a TV in the back of his head. Um, Prince Robot from Saga, anybody? No? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, they are an interest, they're an interesting They're an interesting looking lot uh, between the, uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the frog, yeah, the frog guy with the, with the monitor in the back of his head, like you said, speech, it, it's, it's, it's an odd, eclectic group. So you give them, which probably, like you said, but probably plays into the into uh, Sandoval's uh, right into his strike zone, you know, his sweet spot there. But that's that's yeah, I don't have that. I don't have that much else personally to say about it. All right, next issue. Go for it. Next issue: Green Lantern Corps, Edge of Oblivion, number four. Guy Gardner muzzled. Finally. <laughs> All right. Well, after we uh, skip through the second time we've seen this Scooby-Doo Apocalypse ad, yay, Hipster <laughs> Scooby Gang! I just noticed this little eyepiece. It looks like Scooby is now communicating in emoticons. See, I'm oh. trying to see if I even if I have that ad in the hard copy. It's not the first ad in the book, in the paper copy. Hipster Shaggy. Uh, whatever. Uh, it, so it, 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 it is in the it is in the book, but it's towards the end. But the, with the rut row on the top left. Above Spooky, Scooby Apocalypse. Yeah. 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 We don't need we don't need hipster Scooby Doo and but the but the uh, par for the course tattoos and all this other bullshit. So, but for each to each their own, I suppose. All right. So we open up deep beneath the last city. Three days until the total universe collapses. <laughs> uh, quick recap on all this, guys. Essentially, what happens is uh, Kilowog is you know saying telling Guy that I should have listened to you and. You know, he's half apologizing, and he says, man, this is the best conversation we've ever had. And we suddenly realize that Guy Gardner's been muzzled, literally, like the title implies. Um, they're in a cage. Two Six is uh, injured, and uh, the uh, uh, the other uh, lanterns, uh, the one that, the empath, I keep forgetting her name. Marniel. Uh, Mar- no, Mar- no, Marniel <laughs> is, the other, is the other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Marniel's the villain. Um um, uh, I can't remember her name. She's yeah. We always forget her name for some reason because she's kind of. I think partially because she's so she kind of got forced into this group, and I think that's why we don't have any ties to her. And I think that's kind of why we forget her. Um, back on the surface, John is trying to communicate with uh, the group uh, that is currently being held captive by Marniel. Um, that's when Dismas, uh, or no, Asurus. Yeah, Asurus is the girl. Dismas is the guy. Asurus says she has them, Marniel. And that's when John's like, Baz, Kilowog, 2-6. And Marniel responds, they can't speak right now, Green Lantern. Um, they figure out it's Marniel. And uh, she's saying, you know, you can talk to anyone. Ex- uh, she says, uh, you can talk to anyone except the irritating one. Sounds like the irritating one. And John's like, guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Kilowog screams to not worry about them. Marniel, you know, breaks open the cage and throws Kilowog's face into the ground. Uh, Baz pipes up and uh, goes, says enough. Uh, she fires at 2-6 and, and uh, Baz says don't. Uh, and by the way, his tattoo is glowing at this point, even though he does not have a ring. Interesting. Uh, she says, why not? He says, uh, you know, you come here like agents of Dismas and Asuras, like so many before to attack me and my people. He says, you cowardly attack. Kilowog says, you cowardly attacked ours first. You killed three of our friends. She says, cowardly. I'm the last of my race. Do you know what it takes to outlive everyone? And then Kilowog says, yes, I do. But that's still in continuity, which is always a good part of Kilowog's backstory yes uh <clears throat> she says then you know how much how strong you must be you come here with the with hatred and with power why shouldn't i destroy you while you're powerless and uh the empath says no we are not we are not powerless we and then she starts empathing if that's even a word uh with marniel and she starts transforming into a creature that looks like her she says something i've never felt anything like this before i you hurt she says you're an empath she says yes then tell them. She says, see me. Tell them what I'm fighting for. Many worlds, one fight. Yes. What? We're wrong. We're so very wrong. That's when we get this backstory of Marniel. Her group of uh, creatures were a peace-loving race. Um, think the Guardians in another universe, but let's stick up their buddy. Um, she became uh, the last of her race. That's when Asuras and Dismas came. Um, they seemed like friends. They aided Marniel, but then again, the, 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 the planet began to wither and Asuras and Dismas convinced the people of the last city that Marniel was responsible for the planet's deterioration. They cast her down and Asuras and Dismas rose up to lead, but Marniel saw the truth and other strong-willed beings saw it too. And what truth? They are not what they appear. Asuras is visiting Dismas while he's, as he's recovering. A group of aliens is bringing this chest forward and then walk out. She says, here, it is time for you to heal. Uh, she's, and they, the, the, some of the creatures in this chest that are suddenly revealed, four creatures standing there, various aliens, say, I, what's, un, what's happening? I don't understand. He says, you're going to help me. Yes, yes, of course. We're happy to help in any way we can. And Asura says, don't play with them. And then over narration, we see... They are the old ones of this universe, monsters who have hidden their true forms behind a veil of charisma and benevolence. Benevolence, But beneath the facade lies darkness, teeth, and hunger. They are world eaters, and this is not the first universe they've drained and outlived. They want to pick the bones of this universe clean and move on to the next one. They are succubi, incubi. They are the blackest knights. And that's Knights with a K, like Dark Knight. Um, throughout all of this, of course, uh, Dismas is destroying and devouring all these these uh, little aliens. Marnio gives the rings back to the Green Lanterns. They agree to help her out. Guy is struggling against his restraints. He takes off, flies away, and tries to get out. They say, stop him. Uh, he snaps his uh, muzzle off, and he communicates and says, John, they're coming for you. And John hears him and says, what guy? Who's coming? And he says, Kilowog 26 is real wreck. Nah, we need to write that down. That's her name. Uh, it's real. Uh, <clears throat> Baz says, guy, what are you doing? And guy says, they're coming for a service and Dismas. Protect them. You have to. And then Marniel breaks his finger and takes his ring off. And they say, uh, you know, we have to prepare a uh, She's wormed his her way into his mind. He's warned your friends she'll hold their minds like she holds his. We have, we'll have to go through them. Um, many worlds, one fight. The next lantern versus lantern. Uh, this is the first. Uh, this is the first issue uh, that we get the um, the new artist. So I should probably say the creative team, shouldn't I? So the creative team. Obviously, our writer is still Tom Taylor. The layouts are by Aaron Cooter. And pencils I buy Artie and Syaf. Now, if I remember right, is this the same creative artistic team that we got on some issues of New Guardians? It might be, but I can't. I can 100% vouch for it. Those names sound familiar from something we've read relatively recently on Green Lantern. I'm leaning towards 
New Guardians. Um, inks by Jonathan Glapian and Jamie Mendoza, and colors by Jason Wright. Um, it's it's not a jarring transition from uh, from Ethan Van Skyver. I mean, it's obvious, but it's not. Um, I mean, there's a lot of detail in this guy's line work, so that that helps. Like Kilowog looks odd for a second, and then you realize that he's never looked more, you know, fleshed out, detailed. So he looks he looks pretty good. Um, for a second there, it was hard for me to tell that that was Baz, like when, uh... Yeah, yeah. When he was seeing, screaming for Kilowog and things like that, so that was weird. Um, almost kind of looked like John, or maybe Guy in a different light, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I... I guess I was right. <laughs> I don't trust these <laughs> these. Yeah, giant we knew we knew, we knew they were going to turn out to turn out to be bad. The, yeah. I mean, the art. I think you couldn't ask for a better transition, though. Mm-mm. I mean, and when you said you can, t- you could tell the difference. Overall, you can, but like especially especially when the, the, he's drawing Osiris and Dismas, that looks very Van Skyver like. It does. So it's a really, really, really good transition, and if and. You, like I said, you couldn't ask for anything better. And if this guy wanted, to, <laughs> and if this guy really, his artwork is that is not, you know, it's not Van Skyver, but it's close enough. Maybe he should like take a nom de plume, and he should be like Nathan Van Skyver. <laughs> like, I'm his little brother. Take me. But no, this was pretty, very, very good. Like Marniel and Marniel looks great. Uh, yeah. So I, you, so for for all all. All of us and any of us who had concerns that all the you know there was going to be a huge drop off in the art, which was going to you know kind of almost be a double whammy with the with the book up through like three issues story wise, kind of like stagnating that that kind of that kind of you know we can have peace of mind about that 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 fear was put to rest, and so you have the double whammy of the art still being good and the story probably being a little bit better. So I think this is probably the most successful issue of Edge of Oblivion, at least going. At least as far as anything that happened after the first one. They say they're the blackest nights. Now, we saw the uh, lanterns of this universe uh, in the uh, Relic one-shot and, you know, a little bit in the Lost Army thing. Do you think when they call these the blackest night that this is the this universe's iteration of Black Lanterns? Or do you think it's just a name coincidence thing because their powers are kind of nothing like it? I think it's up in the air. I think they. I think there could be. Uh, did, did Relic? Did he ever? He never referenced Black Lanterns either, right? He, black no. or white? He never referenced. So maybe, he did. He was curious about uh, Black Hand's ring. I think at one point. Right. He was so, curious about that power and how it works. Right. So. So maybe the black is a little more questionable. The white, we know he had no. He had that was a complete. Uh, like 180 for him. He didn't. He didn't see that one coming. I don't know. The thing that's the thing that's clearly disappointing in this, unless there's again, unless there's going to be some big reveal at the end of issue five, it, leading into issue six, is that this hasn't touched on jack shit related to uh, Lost Army. Mm-hmm. All the all the interesting things in Lost Army that were n- that were left hanging are still being left hanging. We ha- we don't we haven't seen Relic. We don't know Cro- what. We haven't seen Krona. We don't. We don't know what Krona's role is, if any, in why they're here now, or what Krona's role is. And either maybe he doesn't have a role in destroying this universe, since it's kind of being implied now that you know these guys are the ones to, if anybody, that are behind it. But Krona can still have a role in helping turn uh, Relic into it, as much of a dick as he turns out to be. But we may not get. Any, we may not get any of that. It seemingly looks like we're not going to, and that's. That's sloppy. That goes back to DC. That goes back to editorial. That that should never have been. There's no way that you should have basically two two six issue series that are supposed to be telling the same story and have almost nothing in common except for the location where they happen to be, or the time, or the universe basically that they're supposed to be in with, and their clock is running out. And other than that, they have nothing in common. That's sloppy. It was poorly done. It's they should have been more. There should have been more transition between Cullen Bunn's series into this regardless so I don't know I if this store this issue piqued my interest a little bit more but again I don't 
I'm not expecting any great shakes by the end of this, and it's just kind of kind of hard to be pumped about it now since we know that you know Rebirth is just around the corner and the Green Lanterns coming back or, or the real you know the real final stage of them being brought back is gonna pretty much gonna ha be happening in Hal Jordan the Green Lantern Corps. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything else to say about this particular issue to be honest with you. That's, I mean, that's kind of it. I, I am a little disappointed with how Guy, of all people, is one of the ones that are turned. Um, if he was turned any time before he put his hands on Dismas and saved his life, then I'm not a fan. Yeah, that, I would. And overall, since we both have commented that this miniseries has been a good Guy piece up till yes. now, that that's. That is disappointing because Guy pretty much has been the star of Edge of Oblivion as much as. And we, not that we necessarily thought it was handled the best way, but we thought but John was clearly the star of Lost Army. Right. So it is disappointing that now you you have that guy was pretty much off the board and being kind of treated you know, kind of like a like chump change again in this issue. Maybe that maybe that, that's just a bump in the road, and we'll see guy back to being kind of like being the cooler character that he was in the first three issues of this mini. Maybe that'll happen by the end of next, and it won't be this one issue won't be will be just nothing more than a blip on the radar screen. Yeah. But as of right now, it's just it's that's kind of disappointing. It's kind of hard when you have the main when you kind of have the guy who's been not. I mean he that he has been the main lantern you've been relating to. Yes, Kilowogs had a big role in this series in this series, but just the way they took guy off the table and a completely disrespectful, though somewhat a little bit amusing on on some basic level, but still. Kind of a disrespectful way. I I wasn't I wasn't yeah really a fan of that. All right, Sinestro twenty two. Sinestro twenty two. Like this cover. Yeah, the, I don't think Sora looks that good, but I like everything that's going on in the background. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I don't think Brad Walker's. Uh, I don't think Brad Walker's Sora is is really his strongest character. But the, but this issue, what is the, what's the actual, do we have an actual, have a title on the inside of the issue? Because I'm trying to read it on that. Blood Red. Oh yes, Blood Red, there it is, it's underneath the Red Lantern Oath. Blood Red is the actual name of the issue, the internal name anyway. Cullen Bunn remains the artist, or the writer, duh, Freudian slip. Martin Cocolo remains the artist. Blonde, the colorist, Dave Sharp, the letterer. Brad Walker, Drew Hennessy, Blonde, John Romita Jr. all did a cover. Some did a variant cover, but they basically were all involved in doing covers for this book. Uh, Andrew Marino remains the assistant editor, Mike Cotton the editor, and Eddie Berganza the group editor. Uh, so we begin in Sector 1122, where we have it, these interesting... They kind of remind me of the Guardians a little. The, even though they're kind of like... I don't know why. Maybe maybe it's their height or whatever. But they they have these little these little aliens who are kind of in a space station and they're studying uh, they're studying these moons and they're <laughs> uninhabited. So they're they're pretty much uh, they have. I they're they're kind of half Dalek and half half Dalek and half Guardian. Yeah, because they they don't have legs. They have these little. Metal things they're sliding around on, yeah, they like have, the base of a Dalek. Yeah, that that, that, that is true. That 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 is that is true. They look like little skirts, but yeah, that's technically true. That you don't actually see any legs. So they must they are pretty much they are looking at these these moons and they're uninhabited, so they're perfect for terraforming. So I guess that's kind of as we find out that's part of what they I guess what they do or what their specialty is. They then finally they get signs of life and they realize uh, no you. It's like no, that's not coming from the moons themselves. They're coming from space, and we see Dexter, and a pretty good action pose for him, breaking breaking through the window of their ship, uh, with his napalm pouring out of his his little kitty mouth, and you know the uh, Red Lantern oath is being recited, and that 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 poor little alien really gets uh he gets a lot of napalm right there. <laughs> the you know the the red the Red Lanterns. Actually, you don't see Atrocitus here, but most of the other Red Lanterns being led by Bleeze kind of show up in a, at this moment in the ship. 
Uh, Blaze has two of the other Red Lanterns seal up the op, you know the observation window that Dexter just broke with their with their napalm vomit, which apparently th- that that works that can work too. <laughs> it's like crazy glue, I guess. <laughs> uh, one of one of the aliens is still alive, and Blaze goes goes to the alien. It's like, uh, you know, we need you to send a distress signal. That's why you know we need don't you know pretty much don't worry, we're keeping you alive. And he goes, you know, if I do that, it's like, yeah, I know, we know what's going to happen if you do that. Send out the distress signal, and he he does, and of course, you know, he says they'll be coming, the Sinestro Corps. And Blaze goes, excellent. Now, while we wait, tell me about your research. Uh, we switch to New Corridor, where you know, you see a lot of the Sinestro Corps members are kind of doing, kind of like almost like routine work, flying around in the air while. Uh, Sora herself is talking to uh, Umaral Jarta, who is basically the the de facto leader of the New Corrigorians. And they kind of have, you know, they, as usually what happens when these two characters meet, they have their they have some kind of not so not so surprisingly some kind of discussion about Sinestro and what we think Sinestro's really, you know what his motives are and you know what he's really trying to accomplish. Uh, while Sinestro, you know, while you know, while Sora and while Sora and Jarda are talking, are talking, excuse me, other Korgorians come up and they all seem kind of happy to see Sora, and they are some are figuratively and literally embracing her. We have some dialogue. Dialogue. We hear like, "What about the priestess? Will she be a problem?" And we see the two aliens that basically were the ones lurking in the background in the last issue after Mongol escaped when they were debating about whether they should go after Mongol, and they kind of said, nah, "No, we're not going to do that." That these two Sinestro Corps members are basically plotting to uh, basically overthrow Sora and p- potentially even kill Sinestro at this point because Sinestro is is weak and their plot is pretty much uncovered by Sinestro himself. And Sinestro kind of points out that you know I'm very well versed in treachery. It's like well enough to recognize in so- its signs and plus I you know I share a bed with a psychic. Our pillow talk is the stuff of nightmares. I thought that was pretty cool. So these two ballsy Sinestro Corps members basically uh, see the weakened Sinestro and think, "Hey, this is our chance. We can actually take out, you know, basically take out the top dog himself." And of course, as usual, with people who try to plot against Sinestro, they haven't really plotted far enough. And we realize that Sinestro pretty much has created his own inner circle, which he kind of we've seen before, but now he actually calls it his Black Circle, the secret police force of the Sinestro Corps, which includes. Which includes Becca, it includes uh, Lissa, and what's her face? The uh, the gray, the gray alien. I don't remember. Yeah, I forget her name too. Uh, but they pretty much wipe out these two mem. They wipe out one, the bigger member, the Arkillo looking like member of this, of the two, rebelling Sinestro Corps members. Immediately, they cut the ar- the, the ring arm off of the other one, who of course is begging for mercy. And Sinestro makes a pretty good point when he says, uh, you know, mercy is the province of the strong, of leaders. And at the moment, I'm, I'm neither one of those things. Sora's kind of have a question. It switches back to Sora. She's having some kind of crisis of consciousness or conscience overall, I should say, because she's because she knows she's the leader of the Sinestro Corps, but she doesn't want to lose sight of who she truly is. So she sees an injured little girl, got a damaged uh the little girl hurt her knee, and Sinest- uh, excuse me, Sora goes over and uses her ring to put bandages on and to heal the little girl. Sinestro short- shows up with Lissa, who pretty much is carrying Sinestro at this point. He just seems to be getting weaker and weaker. And Sinestro kind of references the fact that Sora basically has the science division working on a on a vexing task, which is basically Sinestro is revealing to us. And Sora admits that, that she's basically having the, the science department try to come up with a way of trying to track and find out what exactly happened to the Sinestro Corps. I mean, excuse me, the uh, Green Lantern Corps and, and where they've gone and what happened to them. Lissa, of course, accuses Sora of being a traitor. And, you know, Sora kind of points out that they were my friends. You know, they're not my enemies. And, I, and you know, Sinestro just acknowledges you were the leader of the Corps. It falls on you to allocate our resources as you see fit. Uh, if, however, you had asked my counsel, I might have been able to guide you a little bit more. And so now we kind of get a glimpse through Sora's description, and we get the pictures to see that what exact. 
What? I said, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> of what exactly has been going on or is going on in the universe right now with the Sinestro Corps being the proper police force. And who are Sinestro? Who are Arkillo and St. Walker fighting? Because it looks like Grundy almost. It is Grundy. Is it good? That's that's the only one I could think of. So we see St. Walker and Arkillo working as a tandem on Earth, taking out Grundy. We see other Sinestro Corps members going after Lobo, who unfortunately is still alive, but more more kind of like of uh, another unopened wound that Sinestro kind of has left have left for other people to try to bind. Uh, we see Carousel, which is kind of interesting because Chad and I talked about he looked, Mongo did look like he was going to Earth. I thought he flew off into space. Apparently, despite what it looked like, he did fly off into space because Mongol has been has been. Uh, Ravaging several defenseless star, uh, star systems, so Carousel and the Manhunters have been tracking her down. They were also him. him down, excuse me. I'm sorry. Oh, yes, tracking Mongol down. There were some reports that the Green Lantern Corps had come back, but of course, unfortunately, they were just um, genetically modified Durlin shapeshifters. Yay, more Durlins! So no Green Lantern Corps members have actually returned. Now we have some interesting uh, descriptions about how Sora's opinion is that, much like Arkillo, that even though the Lanterns are, are fiends and fear-mongers, some have seemingly embraced the role of being defenders, and some have proven themselves adept, I mean, adept at it, including averting cosmic Armageddon to squelching hunger riots. The, the Sinestro Corps is succeeding where the Green Lanterns failed. So, Sorrow! Yes, and who is the one on the top panel? Do we know? No, but uh, and I don't, I do not remember the names, guys. So Mark, if you know, you can tell no, me. Right I now. But, I, but, but, no, I don't either. Starro's the only one it, that that stood out to me. For for those of you who remember, remember the Marvel universe has a physical manifestation. It's like a person that looks like a silhouette, but it has the entire universe inside that silhouette. And the DC universe has the same thing. It was it was revealed in um, Marvel versus DC that trade. Uh, th- it, this looks like a giant cosmic being made up of a universe. It looks like one of those guys. I want to say celestial, but that's not what that is. No, I know who you, I I know who you mean. It's one of the, it's one of the ones that you. It always gets paired off with like the living tribunal and the, the ones is is it is it uh it's not infinity, but is it uh. It's not entropy either, but it's something like it's something like that. I know, yeah. I know, the, I know the being that you mean in Marvel. Uh, so Sora gives this recap, and she kind of tells, "Hey, congratulations and you, <laughs> to her father. You kind of you got what you always wanted. The Sinestro Corps is protecting the galaxy." It's like, but forgive me if I don't think your offer of assistance is sincere. Why would you ever help me bring the Green Lanterns back? And he goes, "Because, my dear, you are our leader." And then he reveals that pretty much, you know, the Manhunters are pretty. He's got a whole bunch of man. Manhunters that are pretty much ready at her disposal. All she has to do is uh, give the word, and they will go out to begin searching for any clues to the whereabouts of the Green Lantern Corps. And, of course, Sora gives the word, and that operation begins. Sinestro becomes seemingly even weaker at this point, and Lissa goes to, to, to help him, and they walk away. And Sora has a a soft spot or a moment of weakness, depending on one's point of view for her father at that point, she goes, wait, I liked it. I think she's drawn really well on this panel. Sinestro, wait, she says, it's like, I want you to come to the medical center tomorrow and I wanted, I'll do a full medical workup on your condition and maybe we can figure out exactly what's going on and how to, uh, how to get through this. Now, uh, we, we go to space where Des Trevius shows up at the damaged space station, answering the, uh, the call for help, and you know, he's checking out the environment, and then we start hearing the bum 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 of the of the Red Lanterns. Of course, he's not; he would not necessarily pick up on what that really is, based on all his, you know his limited experience at this point. But uh, he kind of finds a little bit of the napalm. He ends up falling into the napalm, and and and, it's, and, it, and it burns him. And then we see uh, pretty much all the Red Lanterns, I believe, at the moment, or at least. At least the major ones that we know of that have, have been uh, cre- recreated or brought or given rings, including Atrocitus and a tr- and it's actually what it's the Rage Mother who's talking, right? Yes. The Rage Mother is the one who's talking, mm-hmm. and she goes, "And now, little Fear Lantern, you will lead us to the hiding place of the Sinestro Corps. You will take us there, so that we may take re- our revenge against them and all those they might protect." 
next issue, The Last Stand. And it looks like they converted one of those little Dalek things. Oh yeah, that's. It looks like they did. That could be the guy. They, that could be the guy they let survive. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Which is odd. Why? I mean, they didn't seem like a particularly rageful creatures. No, but maybe they have a different. Who knows? Maybe with the new rules, maybe there's a at least the temporary new rules. Maybe there's a way to uh, make it work. It is interesting that the Rage Mother speaks, but then again, based on the limited origin, I think we got her. She basically was kind of like savaged and left for dead or whatever by the Sinestro Corps, which is why she has a big axe to grind against them. Besides atrocities, his normal axe to grind and against Sinestro, which obviously was kicked up a notch with the whole Lobo thing. Yeah. So. Good issue. It was a good issue. Uh, the art looks pretty great, uh, especially when it comes to the Red Lanterns. Uh, so, continued kudos there. Um, and the art of all when you were getting we were, when we get, got the rundown of all the what the Sinestro yeah. Corps is doing throughout the galaxy and the universe. Yeah, I, I I had messaged Mark on Facebook, being like, "Have you read that?" That's why I said "woohoo" because these are the two pages I was really excited about. I was just seeing what was happening across the universe. This is what I want to see out of a Green Lantern Corps title, guys. Like, I want to see what the Corps is doing, what the Corps should be doing. Yeah, I know. Focusing on what the Corps' purpose is and just looking at them doing what they do day in and day out might seem boring to you, but it's not to me. Like, I want to know that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing in between the giant cosmic events that we get every other fucking crossover. So I'd like to see something... You know, like taking on Starro, like protecting people from themselves, like taking out Grundy, like searching down Mongol, like fighting off the Durlins. You know, like just random little upheavals and shit. So thank you, Colin Bunn. It was only two pages, but I got to see the Sinestro Corps protecting the universe in a way I haven't been able to see the Green Lantern Corps do in several, several years now. Yes, and I think it's it's somewhat disappointing that, though there's always a chance Robert could do a good job with this, that it's somewhat disappointing that we find... It's kind of ironic because it kind of like mirrors what's going on in the story, that in the story, Sinestro has finally gotten what he wanted, but he's entirely powerless, and he really... and He he may enjoy it, and maybe part of his plan was to have that moment happen and have Sora be... Have Sora kind of like bask in it to kind of realize that the good that the Sinestro Corps could do to convert her more to his way of thinking. But the Sinestro Corps has kind of achieved its, you know, its pinnacle, its ultimate goal, and Sinestro is kind of like not able to really enjoy it truly, fully, and at least physically. And then Cullen kind of has gotten the Sinestro Corps to where, you know, the whole point of the storyline was going, which was that the Sinestro Corps is, has supplanted the Green Lantern Corps, and now we're seeing what that means for the universe. And, of course, he's not going to be able to chronicle these adventures of what happens with that Corps being in charge. So it's kind of like it kind of goes, they go together hand in hand. And just off the top of my head, do you – once the Green Lanterns come back, obviously we know it's it's certainly being implied that there's not going to be a Sinestro Corps War II right off the bat or anything, that they're not going to be trying to fight it to take the universe back. So do you think at some point before, because I guess logically we all assume at some point the Green Lantern Corps will achieve, will take its spot back in the universe, do you think before we get to that point, do you think we're going to have a somewhere in between where maybe like the, the Sinestro Corps and the Green Lantern Corps are going to be working together? to patrol the universe? Mm, doubtful. It's possible that... I mean, I, I, I don't I don't want to make a call on it because I think it... I haven't seen what the new universe is going to look like when Venditti's got full control because it's odd, but I'm starting to have more faith in Venditti through Ethan Van Skyver based on what Van Skyver's been posting on Twitter. Right, but that's working under the assumption or belief that he's going to have influence on it. Yeah, right. So I, I don't want to make that judgment call just yet. I want to wait and see how things change under Venditti when things are set right. I want to see that and then give it a few issues and then I'll make calls like that. But yeah, it's, it's just there's too much up in the air right now. We don't even know which direction things are going. So um, One thing I wanted to say is on that page where uh, those yellow lanterns come to Sinestro's aid to those two traitors. Yes. So you see Becca, you see Lysa, and you see those two other ones, the guy, the big muscly guy with a scarred face and the alien chick. But if you go back two, page, two or three pages to when you see uh, 
the Red Lanterns for the first time when they show up through the window. Big muscly guy, weird looking alien, a woman in armor, Greek armor, and a yeah, it's like a, the mirror image. Yeah, there, there's a mirror image type thing going on there, and I guarantee you that that one Red Lantern that looks like a Greek, uh, uh, uh like a uh, an Amazon is for sure going to go up against Becca at some point. <laughs> and what do you think? The, I, I assume what you think the counter for the Rage Mother is going to be what uh, Lysa. No, no, no. I think the counter for the uh, for for Lysa is uh, is uh, please, please. please, yeah. Just because of the just visually the way they're they're doing it, uh, and then Atrocitus's counterpart, of course, is Sinestro. As far as the Rage Mother is concerned, I don't know. Maybe Parallax. But it can't. But he can't really do anything with Parallax unless uh, unless it, it depends. Well, not that Parallax. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that like like we kind of talked about before which may not really you know may really be what the point of this is that that unless that ter- again unless the technology unless there's something kind of like the subtext to this fact that these aliens that we encounter in the beginning of the book are terraformers that maybe there's something that could be done terraforming the planet which would also help stabilize the core of the planet unless something like that happens we know parallax pretty much has to stay in the core of bum bum of new corridor to keep it from blowing up. But we did talk about the fact that now that there's another parallax entity in the universe, that what's to prevent technically Sinestro from getting control of that entity? Right. So it was a good issue. I mean, I think the last two issues, considering that, you know, we just ended this big, you know, basically the storyline that had been going on throughout the entire run of the Sinestro Corps book or has been lurking over it, hovering over it, uh, dealing with uh, the paling, that we knew the last few issues were kind of going to be, again, I guess this is kind of like contrasting styles. This, you really have three anticlimactic issues theoretically that they could, or there could have been, with you know, a tw- uh, 21, 22, and 23. But 20, but 21 and 22 have been really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with, I mean, just it would have been it. very easy for him to take his foot off the pedal. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you have, you know. I mean, last issue was just great with all the little twists and everything, and that's when we got the Arkillo St. Walker official partnership and they, that nice conversation between the two of them. You know, Arkillo acknowledging he had guilt about not coming to rescue St. Walker or get him out of there, and and they acknowledging their friendship and just that's that's really cool. And mm-hmm. and just and this was kind of like a follow up on that. And considering you only had a couple of issues, it's almost a shame. Now that we're only going to have one issue of confrontation between the Sinestro Corps and the Red Lanterns, really wish you had. It really is unfortunate we didn't at least get 24 a full two years out of this book because at least a nice little two-issue confrontation with the with the Red Lanterns probably would have been a nice way to go out. Mm-hmm. But good stuff, and that's again not surprising as we can predict pretty much every month. You know, the Sinestro book is going to be the best of the three. Yeah. And sadly, we won't be able to say that for much longer. All right, guys, uh, that is going to do it for the uh, April books. Uh, we do not have any feedback, but we are going to go ahead and go into a quick promotional break. The reason being is this promo will be teasing what is going to be happening on the next episode of the Lantern Cast you'll be hearing. And because the next episode of the Lantern Cast is in coordination with a bunch of other podcasts, yes, we are doing a crossover. Well, we need to give you some sort of heads up before we actually do it, so we're going to be playing the promo on this episode. So... We're going to play a promo real quick, and we'll come back on the other side, talk about that just real briefly, sort of reiterate it, and uh, then we'll close it out. Sounds good. And when the evening comes, we smile. In 1994, Mark Wade, Brian Augustine, and Barry Kitson began exploring the beginnings of the world's greatest superhero team over an epic 12-issue comic maxi-series. That team was the Justice League of America, and that comic was JLA Year One. In 2016, eight podcasts will come together to cover this series in a single month. That month is JL May. Featuring the Fire and Water Podcast, The Power of Fishnets, Waiting for Doom, The Lantern Cast, 
Supermates Podcast, The Idlehead of Diabolu, Comic Reflections, and Views from the Long Box. Each podcast will cover one or two issues of JLA Year One, and then coverage will move from show to show. It all starts in the Fire and Water Podcast with issues one and two. JL May, an epic month for an epic series. Available where you find all good podcasts. Okay, guys, and we're back. That's right. We are participating in the JL May <laughs> podcasting crossover. One epic team, one epic series, one epic month, eight podcasts, one epic crossover. Uh, so as you heard Shag in that promo talking about, we are covering a snippet, not the whole thing. Uh, we are covering a snippet of the Justice League Year One storyline. Um, I believe our issues are eight and nine, but there are a bunch of other podcasts. We're just sort of covering this thing in pieces. So you got to jump from one podcast to another to get the full review. Um, Mark, what do you think, man? We're, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to be a part of it. Should be quite interesting. I do. It's been a while since I read that storyline. It's been a long time since I read that storyline. Uh, but Hey, there's Hallen. There's Hallen there, so that'll make it cool. That's true. Um, for those of you who uh, actually listened to me on the Secret Origins podcast where we were talking about the Justice League of America, this is that story, basically, an, uh, an expansion of that story. Uh, how, you know, it, the, the founding of the Justice League post-crisis didn't involve Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. It was Barry Allen, Hal... Uh, Arthur Curry, you know Aquaman, uh, Dinah, which is Black Canary, and uh, and John Jones, which is Martian Manhunter, and they went up against the Appalachian uh, uh, aliens. So we'll be talking about that in the JL uh, JL May event. Uh, first up, and this episode is already out as we record this. Fire and Water were the first guys up to bat, and they did issues one and two. Mark, uh, not Mark. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, Shag and Rob talked about issues one and two. Next up, you got the Power of Fishnets, which is our friend Ryan Daly. After that, you've got the Waiting for Doom podcast we'll be talking about. That's the, Do that's the uh, Doom Patrol podcast. Uh, after that, that's us, the Lantern Cast. Uh, following us, you'll be hearing from the Supermates podcast. Uh, the, uh, that's Chris and Cindy Franklin who, uh, you know, it's a husband and wife team who talk about comics. Pretty funny. Uh, great show. Then you got Idlehead of Diablo. That is, uh, Frank's podcast. Uh, for those of you who, uh, are familiar with who Frank is, he's just a wealth of comic knowledge that, you know, kind of has an autopilot when it comes to comic knowledge. Uh, after that, you got the Comics Reflections podcast, and last but not least, Views from the Long Box, which is our friend Michael Bailey, who's the Superman guru, or uh, as I like to call him, the Keeper of Kryptonian Knowledge. <laughs> yeah, alliteration at its finest. So um, we've got a checklist of eight podcasts for you to listen to in our coverage of the Justice League Year One. Uh, Storyline, uh, there is a checklist, just like there's a checklist for all fantastic crossover events. So uh, be sure to collect every single episode from those various podcasts in the month of May. That's, Check it out, people. It's going to be worth it. That's right. That's why we call it J.L. May. Duh. <laughs> Sorry, I went Valley Girl for a second. Uh, you know, I got to get it out of my system. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, check that out. Uh, heads up, by the way, just the way this crossover is structured. Typically, lately, we seem to be releasing our episodes on a Thursday. Uh, the JL May episode will release on a Friday. So for those of you listening to this episode, that is going to be Friday, May thirteenth. All right. So don't look for a new episode on the twelfth. Look for a new episode on the thirteenth. Okay? Heads up. All right, guys. That's it. Next episode, like we said, JL May. Mark, you want to close this out? I will close this out. Best way to contact us, lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast at gmail.com. 
please visit our website, lanterncast.com. You'll find our latest episodes there, our blogs, our Dark Star reviews, Ring Encyclopedia episodes, lots of good stuff. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to find us on any of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you like us on or listen to us on either or both of those platforms, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. Bust out your Justice League year one. Start listening and catching up to those podcasts between now and the 13th. So that's uh, just as a reminder, go before the next episode. Go find the JLMA participating uh, episode of Fire and Water, Power Fishnets, and Waiting for Doom. And we will see you on the 13th. Go. Go now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody.